Welcome to the Love is Viral show. I'm your host, Jeanette Schneider, the founder and CEO of Live Media and the creator of the Live Pocket Coach on the Apple App Store. Our premise at Live is simple. A healthier you today leads to a healthier world tomorrow. Our guests include neuroscientists, therapists, professors, coaches, authors, yogis, speakers, entrepreneurs, and those who believe that a bigger, better life can be found at the intersection of mindfulness and science. Join me as we nerd out with a little bit of soul. The Love is Viral show is a live media production. Fernanda Lind is an award-winning entrepreneur and the host of the Wired to Win podcast. She holds two master's degrees and understands the pressure of working in a high-stakes environment after a career in the financial markets, managing a billion-dollar portfolio, and a decade-long background as a professional dancer performing at the highest level. Fernanda has spent 10 years researching neuroplasticity and ancient wisdom to develop a revolutionary method for brain rewiring and is now focused on helping ambitious, success-driven women from all over the world reach their highest potential and step into more power and confidence in their lives and work. In this episode, we discuss mindfulness meets neuroscience and why it spoke to Fernanda as she exited corporate finance. We also talk about the value of creating your own experience by hacking your mind, learning how to harness your own awareness, and choosing what you give attention to purposefully. We ask the big question, do you have to fully heal your past to find the benefits of mindfulness? Let's dig in. Hi, this is Jeanette Schneider, and welcome back to Love is Viral. I'm so excited to have with me today, Fernanda Lynn. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I am really, really excited to have this conversation with you today. I am excited because I feel like I found another unicorn. Um, you and I were just chatting before we got started, and it's like one of my favorite things to do is kind of get to know someone a little bit before we have a conversation. But I have been immersed in some of your content. And I went down this kind of uh, rabbit hole to get to know you a little bit better through social because I was like, oh my gosh, this is someone else who really understands the intersection of mindfulness and neurobiology. And it just, that subject lights me up right now. And um, I think there's so many people who are looking at um, mindfulness more as a, a scientific, something steeped in, in science as opposed to being woo or more spiritual. And I've always argued that I'm one half spirituality, one half logic, but now I feel like both places can live in the same space. Um, and I wanted to find out from you because I know that we have similar backgrounds. Can you tell me a little bit about what you did before you came to this platform <clears throat> and why? What interested you in this subject? Yeah, absolutely. So I, it's always a hard question, I think, when someone asks that, because I feel like I think I was a teenager when I stumbled upon mindfulness and, mm -hmm. and my mom is a psychiatrist, so she was kind of immersed in that and all the whole CBT was kind of a bigger thing. So I th that's kind of my first touch point. And I think I didn't really get it then. It was it felt more like this. Uh, not woo, because I don't think I didn't I had that understanding of, of what that could be or that's the spirituality could be but um I just knew that okay this is something might be interesting and I started kind of studying it or mm -hmm. getting into it a little bit more and through that time it kind of I I, I so I've always been kind of curious and wanting to learn more and looking into more of those things like how can I perform better I was a professional dancer was like my original career 
and going to the Swedish Ballet Academy and being very competitive. So it's like, how can I hack myself or how can I just perform better? Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really get it, to be honest. And it was then I switched into financial markets and, and started working in finance. And that's where I really came to a point where I kind of love. I want to say like I had like a breakdown or like a moment where I like just I'm something needs to change. Mm-hmm. And I picked up again this whole mindfulness thing and looking at it at a deeper level. And through that, I stumbled upon more neuroscience and a deeper understanding of how the mind and the brain works. And it blew my mind. It shifted my paradigm completely. I, from there, completely, I would say, rewired my brain and stepped into a a new field that it was like opening Pandora's box and just going, oh my God, I I get it now. Like what mindfulness truly is about when I understood the the science behind it and the brain and what's going Mm -hmm. on in our brains. And and I had that big, just the insight and big shift. And it changed me. It changed me deeply. It changed how I saw myself, how I worked, how I performed. It changed. It ended decades of like feeling anxiety and struggling with self-doubt and overwhelm and all of those things that kind of hold us back in our careers and in our lives. And I started sharing it with other people. And first, a little bit hesitantly, like, I don't know if they will get it. Like, how can I explain this in a way that it's not just fluffy and just, uh, well, you <laughs> you just have to wake up. Like, that's just uh, not helpful. So I, I, I see myself as a teacher. I think I've always... I, I've, I've always had this kind of mentor teacher role in my life. And I started teaching it in a way, I always say like the rubber duck principle. Like, how would you explain this to a rubber duck? How can I make this super tangible and explain it at at such a level that I'm backing it up with science and showing the neuroscience behind so that mindfulness makes sense in, in, in really in a profound way. And yeah, and then my, my students started also having exactly the same shift and being kind of mind blown and like, I can't believe I'm finally getting this. I have been studying like personal growth and mindfulness for decades. And, and I, I had the same experience. So just evolved from there and then started geeking out on all of this. And yeah, that's where I feel right now. I'm, I'm nerding out on all of it. And I think one of the questions I have for you, like I have many questions and I think they're more from a personal perspective because of the fact that we both came from finance backgrounds. Right. Um, and I think it's, it's fascinating to me, um, how you can live in different worlds throughout various parts of your career, your lifetime. Right. And I went from being in a finance career to writing a book, about and it was because I was mentoring women within the finance, like the, the financial industries, and trying to understand how we show up in the workplace and why sometimes we're afraid to harness our voices and heal deep, you know, past issues. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I'm done talking about that, right? I'm done with finance. I'm done talking about that. I'm curious from your perspective, like, do you feel that you have to kind of go through, like in self-development, we talk a lot about how we have to go through our past and we have to understand our messaging and we have to heal and we have to do all of this work. Do you still feel that that's important or do you think that you can hack straight to some of this? Tell me about that. Yeah. And I love that question actually, because 
my mom being a psychiatrist, I did a lot of like therapy and going back and healing and looking all the way back and see like, well, where is the trauma? Why am I not okay? And and I did a lot of that. And sometimes there's a place for that. I do believe that it is important to be able to look back and not be afraid of that. So Mm -hmm. having a more detached experience of it. And if we can't, then it might be a good idea to to have maybe help to look, be able to look at things without the those things paralyzing us or scaring us or we're never willing to even have those conversations. So there is like a space for that. And the work that I do with my clients, like we have one of our, our women on our team, she's absolutely fabulous. So she goes there, you could say, to memories or anything that's kind of unhealed. But I believe that it's something that can be done pretty fast. So it's mm-hmm. usually like one or two sessions done. And now let's move forward. So being able to look back, yes, and and clear any kind of fear or anxiety around it. So, okay, it's just not emotionally a problem anymore. And then, yes, I believe totally you can move absolutely forward and just kind of hack your performance, your way of being, and uh, using, again, neuroscience in your brain to move yourself into a new potential, into a new way of being. And I've done that for myself. It was so liberating. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I, there's nothing else in the past that needs to be <laughs> examined. Cleared. I don't need right. to examine. Like, no, like, let's just it absolutely evolve. And it's it's so liberating. I love that because I think so many times, and I, I did believe this because and it's it's fascinating. Like I wrote this book about it, and I it's it's why there's been such a shift in my platform because I truly do do believe that for me, especially because I was experiencing similar patterns in relationships, I needed to understand that so that I didn't continue doing that. Yeah. But it also was like there's a lot of people who will sit in that space for a long time, and you will allow the past to consume you. And I started realizing that as I was doing interviews with people and as I was talking through this, I was emotionally drained. I was exhausted because you're going back into these old wounds. You're helping someone else experience them, but you're not from this really kind of evolved mindset where you're looking at it and saying, okay, like this is an equation. Let me understand the equation. And then now kind of let me move forward and and not feel so much maybe shame or, or, um, attachment, like you said, like if you can look at things from a detached perspective. And I think a lot of times when people think of detachment, they think of having no empathy or having no feelings. And that's not at all what we're talking about. It's almost like that's a factual thing that happened, but that's not necessarily carrying with me. So I'm curious for you when you're talking to someone and you're kind of explaining to them how to start bringing this into your life in the forefront, do you have to do a deep dive into like, here's how it all works? Or can you create practices that they can take with them where they start to see the effects of, of mindfulness and, and neurohacking? Ooh. It's a hard question to answer, to be honest, because I believe that sometimes we can say something or point someone to something that has a huge, profound insight kind of immediately and mm-hmm. changes their whole paradigm and they already see what they need to see and they move forward from there in a big, big, big way. So I've seen that happen. What I've seen though, most of the time and in my own experience and working with my clients is that now it takes a deep understanding of brain science and how we operate and why they're getting in their own way, why they are maybe choosing to live in that victimhood and that story, not 
by going back and living there, like you said, or analyzing or picking it apart, just kind of understanding why their brain has the need to live in the past. So, and by, and I try to teach that at a deep level, mm-hmm. easy to understand in a way, but also there's a lot of things we need to, 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 I, I think for me personally, it's been immensely helpful to go deep, to really understand, okay, this is how my brain works. Like it's a machine. I can go in there and see, okay, when that happens, it triggers my amygdala and that's why, and it hijacks my prefrontal cortex. And that's exactly why I experience what I do. Okay, got it. What do I do now to change that? How can I rewire that? And and, and being very um, nerdy about it. So it also becomes very detached. It doesn't mean like this is who I am and this is my life story and it's in my genes and I, and we live in, in that identity. So when we can detach and look at it, okay, it's just my brain. It's firing off really like not helpful ways. And sometimes it's like you said, they, there can also be a, a, a habitual behavior or just neural patterns that are stuck wanting to go to the past. So we are constantly dragging up the past into the present moment. So kind of mindfulness shows us that mm-hmm. we are very attached to memories or to painful thoughts, very innocently. That's what we do. We're human beings. And sometimes we cling to all of that and creating a lot of drama for ourselves and pain and feeling stuck and overwhelmed and maybe hopeless in the present moment. And I feel like when we truly see, understand the brain and and and, and I know for my clients, they have this like, like, it's just my brain. I can see how it works and why it's doing that. Yeah. Already there, it's huge and it's liberating and freeing. Mm-hmm. And even step further, when you understand like, okay, I can change that. And I'm not saying it's easy. I, that would be like a lie. It takes, neuro patterns are usually like this, ah, uh, they're so persistent. They're like, we've been firing like this for 30, 40, 50 years. Like, we're going to keep on doing that. So right. you, you have to really be tenacious and persistent and know how to change that but you the payoff is immense Mm -hmm. it's huge it's it's so profound but but to kind of answer your question i believe that yes like a deeper understanding uh, can be immensely helpful absolutely how long does it take so if you have this kind of like these patterns that you've created and it's it's truly your biology at that point how long does it take for the average person to kind of rewire those patterns? Like what do they have to do in order to, to make that effective? And is it like, what does that look like? Is it like daily mantras? Is it, what is it? Um, is it noticing certain behaviors? And then like, I noticed, um, when you're starting to move into fight and flight and start to ask yourself questions and, and start to move more into that um, decision-making kind of, uh, the prefrontal cortex and say, you know, I don't, I don't need to spend time here anymore. Is it being that aware in each moment or is there something that you have to do habitually to help start rewiring? So there's, there's like research pointing towards the fact that if we are consistently changing a neural pattern that it takes around 60 days on average. Okay. And, and so that kind of gives us an idea. What I also want to say is that it, probably takes longer, way longer for persistent, like habits of thought and habits of um, maybe addictive habits in the sense that things that have given us some kind of payoff or pleasure. Yeah. So sometimes it's a lot of payoff of going into the past and, or being a victim. So all of those things 
are really the, the brain works with that anchoring that in because it's payoff and we're off the hook and we don't have to maybe take responsibility mm-hmm. and <laughs> so it's yeah. <laughs> so comfortable big word so, a big word responsibility yeah. <laughs> yeah not only is live like a life coach in your pocket but we have coaches in 3d as well with our most recent upgrade you can sign up for one-on-one coaching with a person on the phone who will hold you down hold you accountable and offer you perspective as you build your big, bad, beautiful new life. Apple users can sign up for our Premium Plus plan through the app or check out our next level and mastery options at loveisviral.com forward slash coaching. Android users, we haven't forgotten about you. Live Coaching is available to you as well. Just reach out to us at dearlive at loveisviral.com and we'll fill you in on all the ways Live can create with you. Live Pocket Coach, welcome to your life. So I would say that it sometimes it can go really fast. That's what I'm saying. I've had clients who's like, whoa, like that's unfair how fast that went. And they never look back. And but I would say that it does take um takes I would say it takes a little bit more to at least to kind of hardwire it when you don't have to consciously yeah be uh, uh thinking about uh, your your processes in your brain. And to your other question, um so I want to say there are two things to this. One is having awareness. That is everything. Mm -hmm. And it can sound so easy. Like, I'm so aware. I have awareness. But no, we're not. We have like 5% awareness on what's going on. So we don't have. And and, and the moment we understand that, okay, I do not have awareness as much as I would like. So even a glimpse into what's going on inside of the brain gives us, of course, tremendous awareness. And that awareness, usually in itself, is extremely helpful. It, Mm -hmm. It all begins with awareness. But it's always an ongoing process. So staying mm-hmm. in awareness, staying in that awakened where we understand that, whoa, my brain right now is creating this and that's where it's going and that's what's happening. Yep. So that is number one. And number two is what I call attention. Everything in neuroscience comes down to attention. And we need to understand that attention is our most valuable asset and the only thing that matters. That's all. If you cannot have the capacity to control your attention, good luck. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to succeed at anything in life. You're going to be stuck in, in that victimhood and feeling like you have no control and your people maybe are offending you or maybe you're just struggling or you're not feeling good about yourself. And So understanding attention. So attention, what that means, what, what attention is when it comes to mindfulness, when it comes to neuroscience, and when we harness our attention, the power to redirect our attention wherever we want it to go, that's when we become insanely powerful. Mm-hmm. And that is a practice and a skill we need to learn and we need to understand and we need to dive deep into and we need to kind of um, nurture, I would say, every single day. And this is what I believe also. For example, meditation is extremely powerful. It strengths, it really allows us to strengthen the prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. allows us to hone in our attention and the capacity to redirect our attention. So what we can do to notice if we are lacking in, 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 in the capacity to redirect our attention is when our attention is everywhere. It's just like yep. all kinds of thoughts can invade our headspace. Every thought is welcome. Our attention is here and there and it cannot like follow our, our thread or when we're reading something, we suddenly go somewhere else. We can start noticing every day in life or we're having a conversation and we're not even present. We are... Pfft, 
And that I, it, it, we're human beings, so that happens. The, the mind wants to wander off and go somewhere else and not be here. Mm-hmm. But the more we practice redirecting our attention, being present in the moment where we're now, it really has profound implications. And the moment we can have that capacity to choose the awareness and also the capacity to choose where we redirect our attention, it's really, that is, we become unconquerable from within. Like nothing can rattle us or maybe scare us in the sense that unless it's like, well, obviously, like life or death right. threat, but it, but really allows us to move forward and, yeah, pursue bigger things. Like I said, I think especially as women, it's immensely powerful yeah. to be able to have that voice and the power and the confidence and, and understand how to use your brain to work for you instead of constantly dragging you down to an disempowered state. I love that. And there's, there's two examples I kind of wanted to share so that like for anyone that's listening, this is two ways that I've had this experience with the awareness and the attention. Right. Um, and I was speaking to a group of teenagers on social media, um, and the influence it has over you. And one of the things I shared with them is shortly after becoming a mom, I was following all these fit moms on Instagram. And what I would notice is as I would see these pictures, instead of being inspired, I was actually starting to make comparison. And so the voice in my head when I would see them was, I wish I looked like that. So there was this huge comparison. I started to feel bad about myself. And because of the fact that I'd done so much work in self-development and awareness, I was aware of that, right? I was aware of the fact that this voice is happening and it wasn't something that was subconscious. It was truly conscious as it was going on. And so I flash unfollowed anyone, if, if any came in, one came into my feed and it fed me an image to where I immediately started to feel negative in any way about myself, I would unfollow them. And then I actively chose the people I wanted to follow. They were people who were strong of mind, of spirit. They were yogis who were like, it's a practice for a reason. And I didn't compare myself to them. Instead, I was inspired by like, oh, look at that handstand. I, I wish I could do that one day. And so I, I, I did that months later. I was going through my Instagram feed and this really beautiful woman, woman popped into my feed. And I, the first thing that came to mind and I was very aware of it was, wow, she's really beautiful. That was it. I was happy for her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that worked. Like I was very aware. I shifted my attention. I made sure that I was only feeding my mind with things that felt empowering. So the next time I have an image of a fit mom, I'm immediately like, blessed. Like she's gorgeous. Like I don't feel anything less because of that. And I think that's unfortunately something that we have to continue to do, especially in a world where we're sold images. Right. Um, but one of the other things I wanted to share was that I've also realized the importance of creating almost like a preferred internal state. And that's the way I refer to it. Like I know the feelings that I want to have on the daily. I want to feel calm. I want to feel at peace. I want to feel discernment. I want to, like you said, kind of be aware of things that are coming at me and then choose which thoughts I would like, choose what, what mode. And if anything comes at me or comes within that preferred internal state that does not match, I'm immediately like, what is this? <laughs> like, what is this thing that's happening? What am I aware of? What is it teaching me? But it doesn't send me on this spiral to where I need to like, what does this mean about this event that could have happened that caused me to feel that way? But it's more kind of like, okay, let me pull that thought. Why are you here? What are you trying to teach me? Is there anything I need to work on? And then kind of kick it to the curb. No, I don't, I don't want to be in that state. And I think that level of awareness and attention is so 
it's actually easy if when you're talking about it, it's it's kind of difficult because you're like, oh my gosh, that seems like a lot of work. And I've had so many people tell me that. Like, it seems like a lot of work to be in your head. And I'm like, yes, but I don't feel like I go down these terrible like thought spirals, right? Where you're immediately, are there any other suggestions you would have? Like, those are like the ones that came to mind as you were talking, but are there any other ways that you would suggest like little tricks or, or tips where people can start becoming more actively aware? Yeah, I want to just kind of add to what you said because it's so crucial. And please, listeners, get this that, like, what you speak to, uh, Janet, is and what I call like the emotional home base. Yeah. And to be very protective of that and to not be available for any other crap that wants to come in into your headspace. Right. And again, if your attention, meaning your headspace and your, your internal world, is your most valuable asset and you understand that, and you become protective of that, yeah, that in itself, again, huge implications for your life, your well-being, uh, everything. Like, it's, it's just, if you don't understand how investing time and energy and effort into being protective of that and having that awareness, yeah, and choosing to be like, no, I'm going to nurture my internal space, my emotional home base, it's, I'm going to be protective of that and I'm going to create my own state and take ownership of that. If we're not doing that with intention, then we are left, like you said, to being on social media and being dragged down to a, a hole of not good enough and being, you know, just, you're going to pay at some point for being, for not paying attention, mm -hmm. for being mindless. Like the, you're absolutely, it's going to, at some point you're going to end up with a lot of or depression or anxiety or crippling self-doubt or just overwhelmed or burnout. Make no mistake. So it's either we say, yes, I choose to be present. I choose to be aware. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and it's, it can be time consuming to a certain extent. I think mostly in the beginning. Because again, these are thought processes and new ways of being. So in the beginning, it's conscious effort. So I have to be aware and I have to pay attention and I have to be listening what's going on. And I have to notice, well, well, do I, am I honoring my emotional home base or am I letting in a lot of crap that is mm -hmm. kind of ruining my, my, my state? And it's absolutely. But after a while, that becomes, again, hardwired into your brain. And that is your default way of being. So you yes. walk around and you're like, whoops, like you said, noticing like, hey, that's what is the, this thought or this belief or this experience is coming in, invading my, my mental space. And it just doesn't feel right. Like, it's not welcome. Do I need to look? <laughs> not welcome. Yes. Like not, not available for that anymore. So it becomes a way of being, and this is what I call rewired being, like exactly that, having rewired your way of being. So you're operating from a different place. You are very, you become a very different um, owner of your experience and of your well-being. And it's super, super cool. I love that, that owner of your experience. I really like that because I think that that we, we give so many other people messages, advertising, whatever ownership. Um, and I love, I love that just that sentence. Um, I'm curious from your perspective, what place does gratitude play in our neurobiology? Like, I, I know that there's been some studies done where people have said, you know, if you're um, experiencing moments of gratitude or you're in meditation, 
that they can show that it actually helps your endocrine system, right? It helps to produce these really helpful, beautiful hormones. They can't necessarily say, oh, well, it makes you a more compassionate being because you can't really measure that. But those are the overwhelming happy feelings. Like how do you feel that gratitude and and is, does that have to be correlated with meditation or can gratitude itself be part of the, the practice? Yeah, 100% yes. I think I'm obsessed with gratitude and there's a lot of research backing that up, like you said, a lot of research and having, again, so if we look at the, at the, the brain and how it's wired, so, and, and I don't want to geek out too much on this, but looking at like the whole survival mechanism, the brain is wired to look for what's not working. Where's the threat? And everything is horrible. And let's just stay safe and in our cave and do not go out. And it's life is scary. And again, there's a threat and there's a threat and constantly living in a place of fear. Yeah. So the brain is biased to look for constantly scanning the environment to see what's not working. What is wrong? Uh, how can I you know, be killed here? So obviously it's really important for survival. So we're flooded with cortisol and all of these stress hormones. And we are, it's, again, it's the primitive part of the brain and it's hijacking the prefrontal cortex, the more executive part of the brain. And we are stuck in that fearful state. And gratitude flips that in an easy way. So when we are stepping into gratitude, not just saying what we're grateful for, but feeling in the emotion where again, we are, shutting off the, the, the amygdala and the fight or flight response is, is, is being shut off and we are being flooded instead of with oxytocin and other feel-good chemicals and we're stepping into a place of trust. We can, from that place, we're operating very differently. We are looking at solutions instead. So it's a really big deal. If we want to move ourselves forward, we instead, yeah, see what is working. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where, you know, people are here to help me and support me instead of people out there to get me. And, and this world is just a horrible place to be in. Of course, we, we make decisions from a fearful place, usually not the best. So again, it's flipping that and living in a state of, of, of gratitude. It changes your whole physiology, but it also really allows you to be solutions oriented, to be resourceful, to live in a completely different state, to connect with people at a deeper level. So it is crucial. It is absolutely crucial to, to not just because it's, cool or it's well if it's fun sure but but really it has again these deep profound implications for how we do life and how successful we are in life and the choices we make for ourselves so pretty big deal I love it no I love it because I feel like I spent so much time and energy trying to unhinge the past, which I think was a very important practice for me, right? And I'm proud of the book that I wrote. And whenever people ask me like, well, what do I need to do if I, I'm like, read the book. It's a great guidebook, but I don't want to live in that space anymore. And I think now that I've come to this kind of practice and understanding how we can actually utilize our own chemistry for us, right? And take that ownership. Um, I feel like it's almost like worlds open, right? Your, your capacity and the possibilities that are available to you once you understand kind of from where you're making these decisions and, and from more of a conscious place. So one of the questions that I have for you is, you know, I mentioned to you this platform is called Love is Viral. And the whole idea is that if we work on ourselves and love ourselves, that influences the people that we surround ourselves with and who we live life alongside, be that our family, our children, our communities. 
how do you feel that you either make love go viral or would you like to see that happen? Wow. Uh, I feel like, like you said, just by me taking ownership of my own well-being and my own, how I show up in this world, um, that in itself, it's it's like the groundwork. That in itself, if everyone would just take that ownership of that and 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 truly and fully choose how we show up and be very intentional, like then the work is done. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, um, what I always say that through my work, like, my mission is to help one person at a time. And every time I help someone, I know the ripple effect is always huge because they're gonna go and it's gonna impact their families or their their team or their spouses and, and people around them. And, and I've seen that again and again. And I know my own experience as well. The moment we, again, change our energy, change how we operate, we take ownership and full responsibility. Like it is my responsibility, how I am feeling and whatever reaction I'm having. And mindfulness, I think, provides exactly that, those tools and those understandings to really deeply see that that I am constantly creating my own experience and I you know if I taking full ownership of that then also we're not blaming other people looking Mm. for other people also to like give us any solution and uh so I don't know if that answered the question no it does and I love that you like the way you look at it like every person I help it it's exponential right there's a ripple and I think that that's what I think is so valuable if you have a group of people over time who stop with the victim blame, right? Self or other and start taking ownership, not only of their own experience and kind of take care of their house. Right. Cause so often yeah. too, even when we're in the deep, you know, you get into cognitive behavioral therapy, you get into deep psycho analysis, a lot of times we also start to point the finger outward. I know a lot of people who've gone through therapy and all of a sudden they're ready to diagnose everyone around them. And they're like, all their boyfriends are narcissists and all their people are manipulative. And it's like this. And it's like, they suddenly have these words and these tools and these psychologies. But I think like, once we get to the place where like, I'm going to keep my own house clean, right. And through that effort and through sharing that experience with others, um, hopefully they'll be as empowered to, to do the same. And then that will just have that effect. And it's exciting for me seeing more people come into this kind of mindset, especially as they're raising children. Cause I'm like, can you imagine how much better Gen Z plus will be if they start with these tools rather than having to go through some of the muck that we did in order to find them? Um, that's an incredibly powerful generation plus. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for that and what that, what that means. And I've had moments where I'm like, I want so badly to change the world. And what I've realized is that it's probably not going to happen in my generation, right? It's probably not going to happen in my lifetime. But if that ripple is continuing to spread generationally, I'm totally fine with that. That means that, you know, we've left some kind of mark. So um, mm. I'm happy with with that. I'm so curious for you, if anyone, so you are, your podcast is Wired to Win. And mm. I have been really impressed with your content. Where else can people find you if they want to know more? Yeah, they can go to fernandalind.com. So super simple. They're, can, they can geek out on, yeah, I have a free masterclass and other stuff and, and the podcast as well. I love it. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. I have a feeling we're going to be talking again. Um, <laughs> I, hope, I hope so. Yeah, I would love that. We're doing the same. We're doing the very similar work. So thank you for, for being on and for being a light. And uh, I appreciate you. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's absolutely been just a pleasure getting to know you and yeah, love this conversation. Oh, me too. Thank you so much for listening today. I love the concept of becoming the owner of your own experience. Check out Wired to Win or follow Fernanda on IG at underscore Fernanda Lind. As always, please subscribe, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. We are always interested in content that uplifts, so if you have ideas, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at dearlive at loveisviral.com. You can also find us on Instagram at loveisviral.media or visit our website at loveisviral.com. Apple users, don't forget to give the Live Pocket Coach a try by downloading it for free for seven days.